Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have the Bucks falling to the Celtics uh, after a hard-fought uh, seven-game series and the conclusion of the Bucks season to cover. Um, it feels really peculiar sitting here right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, not something that's going to take me some time to get used for not being able to say uh, uh, it doesn't matter where NBA champions, but, you know, last year still is something that that no one can take away from us and um only one team can win uh every year and we waited 50 years for last year so in my mind and i'd be interested to hear more about what packer fans think of this honestly it seems they're not uh they don't have the same mindset as i as i usually do for this but especially with small markets maybe i feel that that you can pretty much hang on to the glory of a title for. Previously, I had thought ten years, even like saying you won a you won a championship within the past ten years is something to hang your hat on. Maybe five is more like it. Uh, depends on how greedy you are, but yeah, we waited fifty years for last year, and our team. We still have, uh, we still have four of our five top starters uh, from the season returning next year. Uh, that's if we're including Wesley Matthews instead of Grace and Allen in the starting lineup. Wesley Matthews, of course, will be uh, an unrestricted free agent, and it'll be interesting to see where we go with that, but. I would guess that that's more up to Wesley Matthews, whether or not he wants to continue uh, fighting along with his uh, with his Milwaukee Bucks from his also his home state of Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, he's I don't know his exact age, but he's he's certainly within his thirties, and we know he had um, a significant injury. Uh, just before signing with the Dallas Mavericks uh, several years ago. Uh, but then again, I don't think we could have imagined uh, this Wesley Matthews uh, this season. I heard from several people uh, that that they really only felt comfortable if at least one of Drew Holiday or Wesley Matthews was out there. So, uh, yeah, to be in the same breath as Drew Holiday for his defensive prowess at this stage in Wesley Matthews' career is uh, pretty sweet for him. And I'll end my Wesley Matthews tangent shortly, but I read on a uh, an unreliable post, albeit, but is an interesting thought that 
uh, Wesley Matthews was trying to recruit Drew Holiday to the Dallas Mavericks uh, before Drew had signed what must have been his uh, the extension, the last extension he signed with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, and removing hindsight, of course, at the time it would have been really weird for Drew to leave Anthony Davis at that point while he was considered a second option there. And the Mavs were, I, I mean, I don't want to say they were mediocre for a bit there, but they they didn't they didn't make a ton of noise, uh, you know before. <laughs> Uh, ironically, uh, Luka Doncic here um, just uh, vaulted the Dallas Mavericks into the conference finals over the number one seeded Phoenix Suns. Uh, that was a nice silver lining for the Bucks in uh, in that in their game seven defeat was that they, uh, despite losing by twenty eight to the Boston Celtics uh, last Sunday. As of recording here on May 17th, uh, the Suns were were embarrassed far more. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely appreciated that, even though honestly, I have been uh, proud of myself, been off social media uh, uh, significantly more than usual. So if listeners have... Uh, have been wondering why I've I've been so quiet. It's just it's just because of for you know, like many of us uh millennials or Gen Z borderline people out there, I know for years I was like I was like, yeah, quality of life could be better if I was on social media less, but uh hell, I'm twenty five, I grew up with it, so I'm addicted, but Got a handle on it now. It's just, uh, yeah. I I know I'm I'm missing out on some NBA content out there, but I I also spend pretty much all of my day at my day job listening to NBA podcasts. So I still get my basketball stuff, and uh, I can block out all the other noise. But I do regret not recording uh, before. Uh, well, early last week. I realized I had a window there after game four where I could have recorded before. I actually uh, visited New York uh, last uh, Thursday through Sunday. I was even on a plane for the first three quarters of uh, game seven. I... I... uh, I enrolled in a free trial with YouTube TV to try to stream the Bucks game, but that did not work with uh, the Delta Wi-Fi. Uh, quite frustrating, but which what can I really expect trying to access the internet on a plane? So I'll try to find the right words <laughs> there to encapsulate the um uh, the end of this series i i had to just jump into some of the game action here i must 
add one more caveat though that I only got detailed game notes on one of these one of these games due to uh, not only my recent trip to New York where I where I was at or returning from for games six and seven, but games three and four, uh, I was actually uh, at Pfizer Forum. So a lot of this might be off the dome. I could be forgetting a, a lot here, but hey, now we have all the time in the world to relitigate uh, this series and shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but... Let's just hop back into it. So game three, the Bucks won 103 to 101. This is a Saturday afternoon game. I probably touched on it, but uh, I was kind of pissed that these at least, what would it have been? I think the past two weekends, NBA basketball started at 2.30 Central Time. And then there was a full five-hour gap between the beginning of the first game and the beginning of the second game of the evening. So there was a slot in there for a whole other basketball game to be played where we could have had basketball just start a little later. Uh which I would have, I would have selfishly preferred because I had a friend in town Friday night, and uh, I could, we could have enjoyed more time, been a, been a bit less rushed. But uh, ultimately, I'm just thankful I was able to experience the game uh, in person uh, with my buddies. Uh, now that we have less of a chance to do so, and yeah, the close score there that. Uh, was the result of uh, a controversial foul uh, on Marcus Smart uh, from Drew Holiday where uh, the score was 103 to 101 and uh, Drew Holiday uh, wrapped up, you could say, but certainly intentionally fouled uh, Marcus Smart beyond the three-point arc, uh, and it's about it's about as uh, in the middle as you could get, let's say, uh, between uh, shooting and non-shooting call. Uh, I would be really frustrated if I were a Celtics fan. Uh, to Drew's credit. He used his strength to make sure Marcus Smart's never, Mar, excuse me, Marcus Smart's arms never, like, really got above his waist in anything that could have, you know, made it look less like a three-point jumper. Uh, Smart did square up though, and uh, you know, of course, he he eventually he eventually flailed, uh, squared to the basket. And yeah, but also it's part of the points of emphasis this year that the NBA doesn't want to just gift teams, uh, you know, shooting fouls when they're when 
they're clearly grifting and and it and it wouldn't be a natural uh it wouldn't be a natural shot to take Marcus Smart would never have taken that jump shot in a vacuum but yeah um so down by 3 Smart only had two free throws he made the first and the second one he launched uh off the back rim and uh although the Bucks had uh, had their big lineup in of uh, of Giannis, uh, Bobby, and Brooke. Uh, Celtics had several chances there. Uh, I'd say at least two to three chances to to tie it up there and send it into overtime, and then who knows what would have happened in overtime. Uh, so, yeah, and I was I was telling people it took me. Um, I, I would, I would say a, it took me until a day or two after to watch, to see another replay before I was like, okay, I've seen it with my own eyes that, uh, that, that shot didn't go off in time again. Uh, s- similar to that Marcus Smart foul too, just, um, about as close, uh, as it can be to, to, uh, going back uh, and not being in the Bucks' favor, but uh, we snuck out of that game, and that wasn't that also wasn't the only game that we kind of uh, snuck away with. And you know, the other two, be fair, it was more of the Bucks stealing it than uh, than holding on in the end uh, and winning uh, winning by matter of inches, but. Yeah, I'll say it and put it out in the ether, uh, risking slander for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I would not really uh, be surprised to hear someone say that the Bucks, that the series didn't feel like a seven-game series, even though that's ultimately... Uh, where it went to that sound that kind of sounded like a bill simmons take but i uh maybe shouldn't put words in his mouth (laughs) uh and i believe this is also the first game where grace and allen started uh in place of bobby uh where bud moved away from that uh big starting lineup to combat uh you know the skilled wings and in uh brown and tatum and uh grayson stock isn't isn't exactly at its highest at the moment but um there'll be more discussion on his behalf uh so we talked a lot about that marcus smart foul uh you know much discussed for good reason but uh, Bucks Twitter uh, did a good job pointing out that the Bucks uh, hadn't shot a free throw uh, over the last 16 minutes of game action in this one. Uh, and uh, at the end of the game, the disparity in, in uh, free throws made was 28 to 14. Uh, Celtics leading there. Uh, 
large part due to their increased amount of attempts. Who knows what clip? Well, yeah, well, it looks like Giannis made nine of his 12 free throws as well. So the uh, Celtics doubling doubling the Bucks in, in makes here doesn't necessarily uh, say much about Giannis's uh, free throw troubles, but yeah, everything uh, everything seemed to be going the Celtics way uh, throughout the fourth quarter, and uh, slipping away from the Bucks. But luckily, they they were able to hang on. Uh, Bucks did win the point in the paint battle by twenty fifty two to thirty two in this game. They also had ten more fast break points, twenty one to eleven compared. Uh, you know, when comparing them to Boston. Uh, Bucks did have a uh, a 14-point lead for their largest lead of the game compared to only a four-point lead for the Celtics at one point. And I think the loudest I remember the crowd being, well, I had pointed to there being that, uh, that, uh, you know, the last 16 minutes were, it was only the Celtics getting to the free throw line. And it was around then late in the third quarter when the Bucks, uh had maybe their largest lead. And uh, it started to go downhill from there. Uh, I think I remember the crowd getting particularly loud um, for uh, a really close, uh, unsuccessful challenge for Ime Udoka. Mike Boonholzer... <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I still haven't forgotten about this. Mike Budenholzer used a challenge in the first quarter of this game. That is a complete first for myself. And it would be one thing if Giannis had already been in a ton of foul trouble because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter uh, in terms of keeping Giannis's foul count down to keep him in the game. Example: If he had, if if Bud was challenging Giannis's third foul in the first quarter, more defensible. But he challenged Giannis's first foul in the first quarter, and I don't know what kind of explanation there could be there, but there will be more more inexplicable uh, instances to get to. Uh, Giannis still finished this game with forty-two points. Uh, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 6 of 13 from the field. Only 1 of 6 from 3, but he did have that uh, 9 of 12 clip from the line. Uh, Jalen Brown led the Celtics with 27 points, 12 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, 8 of 16 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, 10 of 11 from the line. And Drew Holiday had 25 points, although that came on 30 shots. <laughs> He had seven rebounds and uh, three assists, three steals. Uh, and he only made three of his 10 uh, three-point attempts. Uh, in game three here was when uh, Time Lord played for the last time in this series up until uh, game seven. He uh, is also playing right now. If you didn't realize from the time I'm recording, the uh, Bucks, you know, in uh, what was the most unlucky 
The Bucks got really lucky in this series, uh, to be sure. But let's just say if Bucks had Chris Middleton, I because th- I think that that's pretty safe to say. If Bucks had Chris Middleton, uh, they'd be playing right now. Uh, unfortunately, though, I'm watching the Celtics uh, gain a bit of a cushion on the Heat. Last time I looked up before this commercial, Celtics were up 38 to 30. And Rob Williams is playing this game, but the but Smart and Horford are out, which you know I don't think I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is the uh the the single point that makes me feel like the Bucks had another a uh, clear window here if they had gotten out of this series, but uh, I just think it'd be a shame if if uh, Celtics having two guys out in Game One here uh, ended up being crucial, and you know them not making it or them not making it to the finals, but the Heat, uh, you know, having an easy an, an even easier path to return uh, to the finals and. I don't think Bucks fans are, are quite excited about either of these fan bases right now. So I figured I had no ex- no excuse but to but to record for uh, <laughs> since I, I didn't want to watch this game uh, all that closely. But uh, Time Lord was out for Game Four, and you'd think that would be a uh, a golden opportunity for the Bucks, but. Uh, Celtics had Celtics big men had uh, awesome series um, credit to Al Horford and Grant Williams really really all the Celtics uh, I mean personally uh, still, a sore, still a sore subject for myself but uh, aesthetically I do I do uh, I you know I I do appreciate the uh Celtics roster construction the roster construction uh and yeah game four was where uh Giannis and the Bucks uh most obviously just ran out of gas uh similar to game three really they had you know they they had they had a lead and they just kind of let it uh slip away but this is the most tired uh, I could remember seeing Giannis. He had he had his he had his hands uh, he had his hands on his knees, uh, you know, midway to late in the third quarter, and he he asked to come out of the game uh, right then. Uh, but he had to play even longer though, because uh, I appreciated that when uh, when after Giannis had called to come out of the game, he. He uh, he he was able to, to catch a pass from from uh, from a Bucks teammate and uh, and drive in with with reckless abandon from the from the wing and uh, get an and one. Uh, so I can always respect a guy emptying emptying out the tank, but I wonder if Giannis had been able to get get his rest sooner. Um, could he have? Have done more to fight to keep the Bucks lead. 
uh, further into game four here. Uh, but then I also find myself uh, arguing if it would have been better for for Giannis to have scored less, and we didn't have have much scoring elsewhere. So that's where I stopped dead in my tracks and replaying that play uh, too much for myself. Uh, this was also the biggest Al Horford game where uh, in the second half, Al, uh, Al Horford drove on Giannis, dunked on him, and then uh, inadvertently, albeit he uh, sw- he swung his arm in, uh, in excitement and punched Giannis in the face. Uh, just to pour some salt in the wound there. Uh, and yeah, locked on Bucks. Uh, there are a couple of points here that I'm going to steal from their, them. One being that um, they argued that Grant Williams being out for so long, uh, you know, could have hurt uh, how how playable uh, Brooke Lopez was because with uh, Robert Williams being out there, that that allows uh, Brooke to remain. Uh, closer to the, closer to the basket, and then uh, the following game in in uh or excuse me two games later, the last game that Robert Williams didn't play, maybe Brooke wouldn't have been uh, a minus twenty two in nine in only nineteen minutes. Uh, so yeah, uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't this game four either, but uh, game five. One of the bright spots of of, uh, of this series was when uh, I started uh, notifying my uh, Snapchat group chats that, uh, or really, this started after uh, an unfortunate loss in game five. Excuse me, game two. After game two, I started letting my Snapchat group chats know that. I'd be working out for Grant Williams after every loss. Uh, and that's not to sound like the fan that wants to, that pretends like they want to fight an NBA athlete, but it's to say that seeing Grant Williams stand up, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, motivated me to get to, to work on my physique a bit more, add a bit more strength. Uh, so, again, credit to Grant Williams for stepping into the starting lineup for uh, three of the last four games. And uh, in the final game, too, he, he was absolutely no slouch. He had he had 27 points and seven made threes. So perhaps I should consider myself lucky for still being on a plane for that one. Uh, but... Yeah. Other than, uh, other than the Bucks, uh, yeah, running out of gas in this game. Uh, Bucks did at least win uh, rebounding category, forty-eight to thirty-eight. They had eleven more bench points than Boston, and Giannis had thirty-four points. Uh, except it was on 32 shots, 18 rebounds still, 5 assists, 
He missed all four of his three-point attempts and was only six of 11 from the line. Um, Horford had uh, his 30-point game with eight rebounds and three assists. He was 11 of 14 from the field, five of seven from three, three of four from the free throw line. And uh, yeah, the uh, Saturday Slam and Jam with uh, Andrew Schlecht and, and others... Uh, one of my favorite shows that I listen to uh, at least once a week they uh, um, piece of trivia that they had was uh, they were asking uh, how many games you thought uh, in his career regular season and playoffs uh, Al Horford had scored uh, 30 points and the answer was only uh, eight times. Uh, not sure if that was including last, uh, including game four or not, but still for Al Horford, uh, former All Star, uh, and also having having the huge role that he had on the Hawks with Mike Budenholzer all those years ago. Uh, pretty crazy that he wouldn't have more than eight, <laughs> uh, more than eight thirty point game. More than eight thirty-point games, uh, you know, in an eighty-two game season plus playoffs, but it happened. And Tatum had thirty, which is, uh, you know, something we would expect from him. But uh, he only got to thirty on twenty-four attempts. He was he was eleven and twenty-four uh, from the field. He. He only made three of his 10 three-point attempts, but was five of six from the line. He also had 13 rebounds and five assists. And, uh, yeah, I remember he had uh, one of the moments where it just wasn't, where everything was just going wrong for the Bucks. Uh, I remember Tatum uh, falling to the ground uh, and then and then scoop, and then then scoop scooping the ball underneath the Bucks, Bucks defender's arm. Uh, as he was falling and and making a circus shot, uh, but yeah, definitely did not uh, feel like I got my money's worth uh, quite as much when I was at Game Four. I, you know, hindsight, I I still can't regret it because now I'm going to have even less games to be able to see, and uh, yeah, I went. I went all of the championship year without going to a game because, well, uh, pandemic and all. So glad I went, but a bit more of a somber walk uh, to the parking garage after that game. Uh, But luckily, uh, game five was uh, maybe the most magical game of the series at least and luckily that's what I have more of my more of my game notes uh, on where the Bucks won 110 to 117 in a uh, come from behind uh, victory uh, Shaw I was listening to today pointed out uh, Marcus Smart had a quote post game for this one uh, you know wouldn't call it a justification but uh, you know Leaving the glass half full, Marcus Smart basically said that said that the Bucks did the Celtics what what the Celtics did the Bucks in the in the previous game, um, 
with a comeback victory uh, on on the opponent's floor. Uh, and even though the series didn't end, end the way that uh, that Bucks fans that Bucks fans wanted, I'm sure uh, everyone else like myself will always remember uh, Drew Holiday's play at the end of this game, where he he first uh, blocked or stole, but according to the according to the Bucks play by play, they they called it a block on um on on a smart baseline jumper and i thought it was also poetic that that not only was it on the defensive player of the year but uh people uh, attribute um blocking a shot while uh maintaining possession of the ball uh you know largely to uh bill russell celtics legend of course uh and that play, or just like, yeah, that play always confuse. The discourse around that play always confuse me because, of course, I've in my day I've listened to a lot of Bill Simmons, but uh, you know, it's interesting to hear uh, people call out uh, not only blocking a shot but um, saving the ball after blocking a shot. Uh, you know, for people to say if if only he could, he could have also saved the ball and maintained possession while blocking the shot, then then who knows what would have happened? Always seems silly to me because you know blocking, you know, getting a clean clean block on a player, especially in a clutch possession like this, is uh is amazing in its own right. But yeah, so after this block, um, and then a enormous Bobby Portis uh, put back following Giannis missing uh, his second free throw. Uh, Celtics came uh, storming down the court again with not only with none other than Marcus Smart and Drew just completely uh, picked uh, Marcus Smart's pocket and uh yeah, and then he just dribbled out of the clock. He didn't even didn't even feel the need to go up and block it. He just he just uh, he just ran out the clock and walked towards his teammates, uh, punctuating the the comeback victory for the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, people are saying that it was pretty uh, pretty cool for Drew uh, to actually not put up the basket after the steal because. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't really call it showboating even though it was on on the oppo- on the opponent's floor because it was did end up only being a three-point game so you wouldn't have guys in your face or any slander but kind of cooler for, for drew uh to just punctuate it with the defensive play and uh say that's all we need and then uh walk over to the bench and then the locker room uh heading back to milwaukee uh so you can think of that if ever people people say that the series uh, shouldn't have been you know you know felt like felt like it was less than a seven game series you can remember Drew Holiday uh you know embarrassing the Celtics defensive player of the year and the uh 
first guard defensive player of the year since Gary Payton. We asked ourselves many episodes ago if if, uh, perhaps Drew Holiday um, took it personally at all. You know, he has he has every right to, uh, especially if that's what motivates him. But yeah, let's let's reflect for just a moment here um, when Drew uh, posted posted on his Instagram story just the uh, the Wojer Shams notification on uh, that Marcus Smart had become to, had become the first guard defensive player of the year since Gary Payton. Um, and and let's emphasize the fact that uh, Drew Holiday didn't capture didn't caption his his story at all. He didn't he didn't congratulate Marcus Smart. He just he just reposted it. And yeah, I'm really pining for something here. But hey, I wouldn't be the first guy to 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 read extremely into into just a simple uh, athlete's post. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll get into a bit more detail here since this was the one game where I could actually sit down and and uh, make game notes here. Uh, Bucks had their same starters, and the Celtics also did with Smart, Brown, Tatum, Granton for Time Lord, and Al Horford. Bucks hit their first three three-point attempts from uh, Grayson, Drew, and Wes. Uh Celtics went on a 6-0 run uh, at the end of the first quarter, but then Pat responded with a corner three, and the Bucks were up 28-26. to uh, Narrow two-point lead after the first quarter. Drew led the Bucks with nine points and two assists, and Tice uh, uh, led the Celtics in scoring with uh, six points. Uh, I wish we would have seen more Mark, more uh, more Daniel Tice uh, in the series, but that's uh, probably why we didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, we got an ugly, we got some ugly moments from Drew. Um, luckily, he made up for it in the end. But uh, Drew turned the ball over twice in a row uh, in the uh, in the in the second quarter here, and those uh, two turn two turnovers led to uh, a frustration foul from Drew. As many who listen to this would would guess, um, no, it's funny because nothing seemingly nothing frustrates me more than than a frustration foul from a Bucks player. Um, Giannis is the biggest culprit of that, but um, right here it was Drew Holiday, and then his next turnover, he at least he at least didn't commit another frustration foul, but then it turned into a Boston Celtics alley oop in transition. Uh, Bucks, Bucks would, res- would respond, though, with two strong drives from Pat and Giannis. Uh, but Giannis would uh, would jam a wedgie uh, between the rim and the backboard. That's what a wedgie is on one of his three-point attempts. Uh, yeah, um, of course, Giannis... Probably shot too many threes for Bucks fans' comfort in this game, but he did uh, make two in the fourth quarter, and there was one even with uh, less than a couple minutes left. I had I had actually forgotten about Giannis's uh, second fourth quarter three pointer. Uh, 
through all of the madness that went down uh, in the final seconds of this game. I had to be, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to be reminded uh, of such from a kind lady I was sitting next to on the plane uh, to LaGuardia the next day. Um, halftime, though, the uh, Celtics um, had taken the lead, forty-seven to fifty-four. Giannis has um, had been leading the Bucks with 19.6 rebounds, two assists, and Tatum had 16 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Uh, Bucks came out of the break firing, including a Drew transition three, which led to a Yudoka timeout. Uh, Jalen Brown, though, got the Celtics' first offensive rebounds of the game at the beginning of the third quarter. I thought it was crazy that they hadn't gotten any any offensive rebounds at that point. Uh, but uh, Brown uh, got two offensive rebounds, uh, those two in short order, which was uh, incredibly frustrating. Uh, there were a lot of moments like this. I know uh, in that last game, the last quarter I saw, um, I saw too many Celtics rebounds, which is all more annoying when you have to watch your team give up uh, far too many open threes in a game, and then the excuse is that is that the three pointers they they allow are selective, and uh, there's a reason why why um, they're allowing certain players to shoot three pointers and stay home so they can have have one of the best interior defenses in the league but you know if you're allowing open threes and you're and you're allowing offensive rebounds are you really are you really uh are you really an elite defense or or are you just doing nothing out there are you just watching a lot of times it just feels like the bucks were sitting underneath the rim and uh and watching (laughs) uh but Maybe that's something I need to remind myself moving forward when we're not, you know, in the middle of a perfect season and we're not NBA champions is that uh, it's not about how a single play looks maybe, but just about, uh, you know, the defensive impact of the whole uh, in the entire game uh, if the opponent's afraid to go in for the highest efficient, highest efficiency shots uh, underneath the basket. But... It's tough. I'm human. Uh, oh yeah, as I was saying from before, the Bucks. Um, I would have loved to see more Daniel Tice because the Bucks uh, were uh, going at him late in the third quarter. Maybe one of the few moments where the Bucks were actually mismatch hunting uh, in this series. Uh, you know, flashback to to the bubble where. Uh, Bucks Twitter has plenty of critiques uh, for Mike Boonholzer, and this is a repeat one where where we where we don't uh, go at mismatches enough. But the Celtics, uh, with the roster construction that I was applauding of of the Celtics, they don't have many guys that you can go at. Uh, one of them, though, Peyton Pritchard. Um, I feel like I remember a moment in that uh, maybe that game four where Giannis was just completely exhausted, where he. Where um, where uh, he had uh, Peyton Pritchard lined up against him, and uh, and he just dribbled the ball back back beyond the three point line and then gave it up. 
So that's probably a good sign that your superstar is uh isn't firing on all cylinders as usual. Uh, but Pritchard had some moments uh, in Game Seven as well, which was unfortunate. But we already knew the ending at that point. Uh, Jalen Brown also particularly caught fire uh, late in the third quarter. He finished the third period with 16 points, and even though the Bucks were finally uh, going at Tice, uh, the Celtics uh, took every op- every opportunity they had uh, compared to the Bucks and uh, and um, hunted uh, Grayson Allen for much of this much of this year. And Celtics went in the fourth quarter with this with a uh, with a eighty six to seventy seven lead after three. Giannis had thirty two points, eight rebounds, two assists, and Brown had gotten up to twenty five points, seven rebounds, six assists. Uh, Pat and Drew had a couple clutch threes early in the fourth, and Giannis also had a slam after a side pick and roll with Grayson. Uh, and then. And then, yeah, all, I actually retroactively wrote down um, the whole sequence that led to uh, Drew proving he's he's the rightful defensive player uh, of the year. Uh, but notes that uh, that actually, um, you know, are credited for earlier before uh, before Drew's highlights included. Giannis bleeding uh, after uh, Pat came came down on him with his elbow, uh, where I think they both were contesting, or rather going for a rebound that Al Horford had uh, finished uh, with a with a tip in, uh, put back dunk, rather. Uh, so that that could have helped the Bucks in this game. Was that was that the Medical team seemingly couldn't keep keep uh, keep Giannis from bleeding, so it felt like we had like two or three stoppages. Because of course you can't allow the game to continue on with a guy bleeding all over the court. And as evidence that this could have uh, helped the Bucks, not trying to uh, create a conspiracy against us, but Giannis uh, hit that uh, hit that clutch three. Uh, with less than two minutes left in this game. And uh, maybe the reason I forgot about, about this Giannis uh, three was uh, not only uh, not only him him bleeding and the game pausing after every other play, but Drew Holiday had, had a clutch three as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, interestingly enough too, Bobby... Uh, before Drew's big three, Bobby uh, missed a layup and a tip in, uh, both in a row. And I had a friend point that out to me, um, showing how, uh, you know, Bobby had stones to uh, still fight, uh, fight enough to get that to get that put back uh, after he had, he had recently botched an open layup and a tip in in a row, uh, and. Uh, and then yeah, the rest is history with uh with uh with Drew's block or steal, however you wanna if you wanna credit it the same as uh as the Bucks play by play on their Bucks app. Uh, and uh 
And then of course the uh, the putback and the and the strip. All right. And now the last two games here were where I was finally um, in New York. Uh, I say finally, but the trip really came about um, in much shorter notice than I'm used to. Growing up here, I'm I'm getting a lot more comfortable with traveling, and that's good because this is well, hopefully I'm traveling forever, but uh, this might be the most time I have available to travel and have the flexibility to make trips like this happen. But I'll be going to Vegas twice actually in July. I say twice because I'll be. Uh, finally making the pilgrimage to NBA Summer League uh, and attending Sports Business Classroom in person during the second month. What am I saying? During the second week of July, I'll be at NBA Summer League finally. And then the following weekend, the third weekend of July, third or fourth, I think July is one of those five Friday months this year again, but... Uh, yeah, let's see. Five days after I return from my first visit in Vegas, I'll be going back for my brother's bachelor party. And instead of staying in Vegas for no reason for five days, using vacation and spending all the money that one spends on vacation, uh, I decided to save the I decided to save the vacation from that. But I was afraid that I would end up using the vacation. Uh, I didn't then, uh, for just Fridays in December as what often happens. But luckily my guy, Chrissy was, uh, kind enough to invite me to New York and, uh, yeah, put in a ton of work to show me, show me a good time. And, uh, yeah, forever grateful for that. And, uh, the serendipity that, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that I was looking for, uh, this, this exact, uh, little excursion, uh, at this time and we had made our way to a sports bar around Chinatown I had um, had this amazing Chinese inspired sandwich right before uh, yeah it's pretty crazy if I if I started just to describe it um, I would not do it any justice um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty lucky that they had the Bucks, uh, or what am I saying? That there was a sports bar so so close to us in Chinatown there. But five minute walk from where we where we we were eating, and perhaps uh, some negative juju that brought that brought on this this uh, poor showing was the fact that uh, that there was a bar called the Grayson. Maybe just another five minutes from that bar, but we opted to just go to the closer one so we could, so we could get an extra bite to eat. And uh, yeah, maybe then Grayson would have ended with a negative twenty nine uh, plus minus over in twenty two minutes of action, uh, and the Bucks wouldn't have lost by uh, thirteen points. Jason Tatum might not have have dropped uh, forty six points, nine rebounds, four assists. 17 of, of 32 from the field, 7 of 15 from 3. 
five of seven from the line. Um, Giannis, though, had an all-timer with 44 points, 20 assists, the first 40 and 20 playoff games since Shaquille O'Neal in 2001, along with six assists, two blocks, 14 of 30 shooting from the field, two of three from three, 14 of 15 from the line. Uh, buddy, I was with uh, my friend Chrissy's uh, brother, Jared, um, was saying how we needed, <laughs> how we might need uh, a a a uh, 2021 finals uh, game six showing from Giannis, at least that from the free throw line. And, uh, you know, we were, uh, let's see. Wow. Am I that far removed that I don't even remember Giannis's clip from the free throw line? Was he 17 and 19 maybe? If that's the case, we were only three, uh, three made free throws away from that. Uh, that is roughly, of course, as I'm second guessing it. Um, I already pointed out Brooks, poor plus minus. Uh, Celtics also made 10 more threes in the Bucks. Uh, they had a 17 to 7 advantage. Bucks still won the point in the paint battle, uh, 48 to 34. But as many have said, the Bucks had had a numbers problem in this game. And if we're just comparing those last two stats, uh, Celtics had 30 more points beyond the arc. Or not 30 more points, but... Well, yeah. The Celtics had... Made 10 more threes, 30 more points from beyond the arc, and the Bucks had, oh no, I did my math wrong, didn't I? Well, no, I guess they had 28 points uh, in the paint. 28 more points in the paint. Wow. You can tell I'm getting, I'm getting to the end here with some of this stuff, but maybe I'm a coward for burying this point this late, but... Might seem like it, but I'm not the only person saying that that Javon Carter might not have been able to flip the series for the Bucks, uh, and largely I'm saying that because the Celtics played huge in this series. Um, yeah, and without Chris Middleton, uh, you know, six eight would have would have spent a lot of time. Uh, guarding uh, Tatum or uh, Tatum or Brown, or at least uh, Chris would have made sure that we wouldn't we wouldn't have had had Grayson on the floor as much. But uh, Javon Carter would not have had it, had it, had any chance in hell either at guarding Jason Tatum, as he's six one with a six four wingspan. Uh, you know Grayson Allen. I mean, it's hard to imagine he could he. Could have had a worse series, but he had, he has a bit more size too, six four, six six wingspan. Even George Hill, he he was listed at six four. I think that's a bit generous. If we're saying he's 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 maybe he's maybe six three though, he famously has like a six nine wingspan. And Jason Tatum shot over all of them, so you know, taking away a few more inches too, uh, you know, from from the defender. Um, on Jason Tatum would not have uh, made him have a worse series, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, we were we were perhaps doomed from the start without Chris Middleton. And if there's if there's a silver lining to take from it, it's that maybe people will learn to appreciate Chris more. Now I don't. Um, 
you know, as he's historically been underrated, I'd say uh, after last playoffs, uh, more people have come around. But you know, we've heard we've heard whispers from uh, glass uh, glass half empty crowd about uh, wanting more from Chris Middleton. We definitely had that battle over the year of um, you know arguing. Uh, who who the second best player is for the Bucks? Consensus was that there's a that there's a two A and a two B, and it can change night to night. Uh, Drew Drew was maybe better throughout um, the majority of the regular season, but Chris got the All Star nod. I heard Locked On Bucks lo- uh, arguing that Chris Middleton was more important to the Bucks playoff success than Drew Holiday, which. It's hard to argue at this moment, but, uh, you know, in the end, uh, doesn't matter a ton at this point. It just, uh, you know, like I always say, it doesn't matter if, uh, if the Bucks win a game by a hair, um, by a late, uh, Al Horford tip in, or if they, or if they lose by 28 in the final game uh, of the year and are somehow only the uh, second worst loser of the night. Uh, yeah. All that matters is that, is that win loss category. So we don't need to pit Drew and Chris up against each other. Um, and I'll quickly go back over some of game seven. I know in passing, I went over a lot of it, but uh Bucks had their same starters in Game Seven, uh, despite maybe Grayson's lowest point after uh, after he missed his first four shots of, of Game Game Six and his first and he didn't make any of his four threes from from uh, in Game in Game Six. I think he was only one of seven from the field, uh, but. Clearly, we did not have the depth advantage in this game. Uh, a little more deja vu from uh, game two uh, was that the Bucks uh, got out, uh, yeah, got outscored beyond the arc. They made only four threes to Celtics twenty-two. Um, they won the point in the paint battle, though, forty-eight to twenty-six. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to botch any more math here. Uh, Bucks had a 10-point lead uh, at one point, uh, but the Celtics had their largest lead at the end of the game with 28. And the Bucks were outscored in the last three quarters of the season, 55 to 89. Uh, they at one point missed 12 threes in a row. Uh, if I saw that. Uh, Flash from the broadcast correctly. I believe they they put that up. Uh, they put that up early in the third quarter, which was the beginning of of the Bucks of, pardon me, the Celtics uh, three quarter long run. Really, Bucks had an ugly close to the third quarter with uh, one of one of uh, Grant Williams uh, seven threes, and then uh, and then Smart. Uh, getting sent to the line for three, three free throws after being fouled at the buzzer. Uh, 
and yeah, the Bucks. Let's see. They I I, for, I forget I forget what it was after one quarter, but at half they were they were only down by five points, and they got outscored by ten in the in the third quarter. They got outscored by by. 10 or 11 points in each of the last three quarters. Um, I had got off, got off the plane uh, just in time for the fourth quarter, but it wasn't it wasn't all too exciting at that point. Uh, I remember the the as soon as the plane uh, landed, I removed my uh, airplane mode and uh, kept refreshing the score. And the guy next to me just said that. That he doesn't think the Bucks have the, have the juice to win it this year. And it's kind of one of these one of these moments. I hate to sound like a jerk, but I don't know. When you have a podcast and you're kind of you're kind of a Bucks snob to begin with, which I don't have a right to be, but random guy on a plane they, that didn't say a word to you or you didn't say a word to for for the previous two hours of the flight is just pointing out the obvious <laughs> that if the bucks are down by 16 early in uh or by 16 points late in the third quarter that they might not have enough i was just kind of like you know man i don't need to hear it i have eyes i see the score i like to be an eternal optimist when rooting for my team you know I stick around to the end, no matter how ugly it is. I just, I just don't need to hear that negative negativity. I had been hearing, I had, um, I've been waiting the whole flight to uh, even see the score of the game, but Wi-Fi was bad. But that's what happens, you know. Yeah, you get spoiled from your first championship in fifty years, and. And yeah, you, you become a curmudgeon. So that's where I'm at. But hopefully, um, but I'll regroup over the off season. You know, we have an extra two months compared to last year uh, to reflect on this. Um, and uh, and I'll keep coming at you with more. Uh, yeah, instead of reading out any other stat lines, because, you know, the... Top three stat lines in 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 every playoff game are going to be impressive because guys are are ideally playing playing forty minutes if they're being coached properly. Uh, I'll just go to a Jalen Brown quote uh, from his post game presser. Jalen Brown said, "Giannis is the best player in the world. Uh, it was incredible what he was able to do with his team. They're scoring uh, ninety to hundred points." And Giannis has 40 of them in multiple games. That shit is crazy. And it is crazy. You're right, Jalen Brown. And uh, props to the Celtics. Uh, as I still don't... Uh, it's crazy to me <laughs> as well how uh, how they really turn things around from, uh, you know, after the bubble, having... Excuse me. <laughs> um, having a having having a disappointing year all last year, and then half of this year, and then completely flipping a flipping a page um, by just buying in 
buying into what their coach Emei Udoka has to say and uh, trading for Derek White, which on paper seems like the best trade, best trade deadline move ever, but it's been downplayed a lot. Uh, yeah, in a way, it seems like they've been due, they've been due for for a run like this uh, for a while. Uh, I don't even know if I should say they're due for it because they have had had runs like this to the conference finals before. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe we made out pretty good by uh, by them losing themselves for a year and a half there. But uh, I don't think anyone's doubting that the Bucks will be back. I'm not, and I sure hope you you aren't. But. We'll discuss how the Bucks will get back uh, next week. And until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.